Welcome back to the Facts About PAX podcast. I'm Michaela Isler, now PAX Executive Director, and, and I'm joined on the number one PAX podcast in America by my co-host, Adam Belmar. On today's show, we are pulling back on the stick and taking our perspective up to 40,000 feet for a bird's eye view of some recent and potentially significant developments coming out of the Federal Election Commission and the United States Court for the District of Columbia. Yeah, so Adam, we're going to be talking about disclaimers, disclosure, and digital political communication with former FEC chairman Lee Goodman of Wiley Law coming right up. But first, Michaela, this is our last episode of 2022, and it continues to be a most excellent adventure. To be sure, Adam, we keep saying this, never thought we'd come this far, right, when we started this journey together, but we've accelerated into the turn. We hit episode 100 a few weeks ago and kept a laser focus on our mission of the show, which is really to champion the most transparent and regulated form of political giving, and at the same time, the amazing professionals who lead their employee-funded and business trade association packs. Absolutely, and I feel like we have never taken our eye off of that, and that manifests itself in all of these wonderful interviews with people up and down and around our industry, new names, names that people know well who have served in NABPAC, and people like today's guest who are a fresh, interesting, and important insight into what's going on in Washington, D.C. Absolutely. And, you know, as our listeners are aware, you know, constantly looking at what the Federal Election Commission is doing and how it impacts all of us in our day-to-day jobs. So I'm excited to get this show started, Adam. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NAPPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. And today's episode is brought to you by Public Affairs Support Services, or PASS. They've been keeping PACs on track for 38 years, from preparing and filing your FEC and state reports to managing your PAC match program and hosting your PAC website. The employee owners at PASS make your PAC programs and compliance their business. Thanks, Adam, and thanks to our sponsor, Public Affairs Support Services. PASS has been a great partner to NAPAC over the years. Um, and just love all the work that they're doing in our space. Uh, but joining us now is Lee Goodman, partner at Wiley Law. Lee is a top campaigns and elections lawyer and served previously as chairman and commissioner of the Federal Election Commission. We're so lucky, Lee, to have you join us today. Thank you for joining us on the Facts About PECs podcast. Well, hello, Michaela and Adam. It's a pleasure to join you today. Thanks for having me. Well, Lee, we have a couple of different things to get our audience up to speed on today. And the first one is a step toward clarity on the issue of disclosure requirements for small digital ads. Um, I know Wiley's written a little bit about this. What has the FEC done here? And and really, if we can drill down and, and why should our PAC professionals really care about it? Well, PACs communicate political messages online Nonprofit organizations that are connected with political action committees communicate political messages online. And for about uh, the last 10 to 15 years, uh, the FEC has struggled to provide a uniform rule and clarity in the rules of posting disclaimers on digital ads particularly paid digital ads, and also, uh, of course, organizations' websites. 
And the major fissure that evolved on the commission was what to do about small digital ads, particularly character-limited Google ads or those very small banner ads that you see pop up on your cell phone. A lot of political organizations push out their messages and or do fundraising by pushing out those small digital ads. And the FEC was divided for many years on how to incorporate these long, unwieldy disclaimers paid for by XYZ PAC, not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. And then, of course, either the street address or web address for the organization. In many of these small digital ads, that disclaimer can take up the entire available space in a small space. So the commission was largely in agreement that for large digital ads, that's a big computer screen banner ad or a YouTube or a Facebook ad that takes up as one or two inches by one or two inches on the side of your computer screen. As long as the ad was big enough to accommodate a full disclaimer, the FEC required that disclaimer. But these small digital ads uh, vexed the commission, and it got to the point where certain commissioners were willing to censor entire messages in the name of the full disclaimer, while other deregulatory commissioners were taking the position that there's a small items or impracticability exemption in the law. And they would just say no disclaimer at all is required for the very small digital ads. So over the last couple of years, a new group of commissioners got together and decided to compromise. And that's what we saw come out about two weeks ago at the commission that clarified the rules for the big digital disclaimers, but more importantly, came around to a compromise position for a what they call a, an adapted disclaimer or we could also call it a truncated disclaimer for the very small digital ads. And so now going forward, if you're paying for advertising in the digital space, even if it's small, you need to familiarize yourself with the adapted disclaimer rules that the commission has just issued. So Lee, this is actually a big deal. I'm a practitioner in work in this space, and I too have been vexed about what is right and what is wrong and how do you meet all the requirements. But what we're really doing here is notifying all the people who are behind this communication, not the practitioners, but the institutions, the companies, the PACs, everyone. You need to make sure that you get this right because there are ramifications for getting it wrong, aren't there? Well, there are. There's enforcement and the cost of enforcement and the process enforcement is usually the, the real punishment. Then there are civil penalties. And of course, there's reputational value at stake. So you know, as a professional operation, you want to at least get your disclaimers on your paid digital ads right. Adapted disclaimer rules. Write that down, everybody. Okay, Lee, let's nerd out for a minute. If the disclaimer on a small digital ad will take up more than 25% of the image area, you can do an adapted disclaimer. Can you explain the rule and how this will work? The FEC's new rule says if the full worded disclaimer would take up 25% or more of your ad space, and they declined to tell us how to measure 25% in order to allow flexibility in application and implementation, then you can reduce your disclaimer to what they're calling an adapted disclaimer. And it 
simply is a, a little indicator that if you touch that, one step away will be the full disclaimer through some technological mechanism. And that full disclaimer can appear on a hover over text, pop-up screen, a scrolling text, a rotating panel. These are some of the examples that the commission gave, or one that I think a lot of people will use because a lot of people want to convert a viewer to visit their web page. It can be a hyperlink to a landing page with the full disclaimer. So if you're advertising, you may want to drive people to your main website or to another political message that you've sponsored or to your donation page, for example. And so as so long as that full disclaimer is one touch away, that will comply with the new disclaimer rule. They also clarified that the full stand by your ad requirements, you know, with a leader of the organization do not apply to internet advertisements at all or the disclaimers they, they apply only to television and radio it's all fascinating and it adds up and it's very hard to keep track of for lay people so having your voice on this show today lee goodman is so important but there's something else and this one's a bit bigger that we want to address and get a better understanding of a recent decision issued in the united states district court by judge james boseberg so just last week judge boseberg issued a memorandum opinion in order in campaign legal center versus fec Lee, tell us what this is about, and is any of this going to impact our listeners and their work? Yes, I, I think uh, your listeners should pay close attention to a recent opinion by Judge Bosberg in the case you mentioned, Campaign Legal Center versus FEC. And I might also mention everything we've been discussing thus far about uh, disclaimers applies to paid ads on the internet. Now, since about uh, 2006, everyone who is posting content for free on the internet has enjoyed the benefit of the internet exemption. And it's vintage is a 2006 rulemaking at the FEC, which said that if you're posting information for free and not paying a third party to post it, then it is free speech, both uh, in the literal sense and in the regulatory sense. So everything that we've discussed on disclaimers is about paid ads. Now, the FEC has issued a notice of proposed rulemaking proposing to expand the realm of what paid ads are, including counting, for example, the production costs that go into a YouTube video that is otherwise posted for free. And anyone out there should know that January 9th is the deadline for public comments on that notice of proposed rulemaking at the commission and kind of an inconvenient time to tell us all to file comments, but people may want to file comments. And now we have another shooter drop in this debate over the regulation and the expanse of regulation for free postings. And that is this decision by Judge Bosberg. It arises from the 2016 presidential race. And an organization called Correct the Record was established by David Brock, a well-known you know, liberal activist uh, who's been very successful in the nonprofit space uh, in supporting liberal causes. And they purported to be a response support group for Hillary Clinton 
and her presidential campaign. They were going to respond to criticisms in rapid uh, response time to any criticisms about Hillary Clinton. They apparently, or at least it's alleged that they coordinated many of their activities out in the open. They, they said, we're coordinating a lot of our activities. And, and much of their rapid response operation was on the internet, on their own website, in emails, Twitter, Facebook, other places. They considered all of those communications to be unregulated because they were being posted for free. Well, um, the Campaign Legal Center filed a complaint at the FEC claiming that their coordinated activities and communications should be regulated. And the commission divided its votes two to two. The commission is normally six commissioners. It was down to four at the time. And uh, two commissioners voted to open an investigation, find reason to believe. And two commissioners said that the internet exemption exempted most of what Correct the Record did in its online activities. Campaign Legal Center then sued the Federal Election Commission. Uh, because of political infighting at the commission, the commission defaulted in the case and didn't appear to defend itself. So Correct the Record and Hillary for America Campaign Committee intervened in the lawsuit to defend the votes of two of the commissioners dismissing their case. That case has been up and down and languished in the court system for several years. However, last week, Judge James Bosberg granted summary judgment to the Campaign Legal Center, and his memorandum opinion suggests that the internet exemption may not be as broad as many of us thought it was for many years, because what he uh, targeted were the inputs, the costs incurred by Correct the Record to provide inputs to the communications and said, this is not carte blanche. Just because you post it on the internet does not necessarily free it from regulation. And he suggests that the internet exemption has been interpreted too broadly by a group of deregulatory commissioners over several years. And he has remanded this case back to the commission to sort out which inputs should have been counted and which ones might be exempt. He put some clues in his opinion about those inputs that are directly related to the communication, but he left it to the commission to conform to his opinion and sort of sort wheat from chaff over the next 30 days. So just as the commission is taking up a notice of proposed rulemaking with comments about expanding the realm of internet regulations, we now have an opinion from a federal court telling the commission to do the same thing. Whether the commission takes up the charge and tries to clarify those inputs and production costs to your website or to a YouTube video, which are regulated versus those that are not, or whether the case is appealed in the meantime to the U.S. Court of Appeals, I don't know. But your listeners should know that all of this freedom that we've enjoyed for the last 15 years on the Internet is now in question over the next month to two months at the commission. And everyone who has a website, who creates YouTube videos and posts them for free, and who tweets should all be concerned about whether there's going to be a sea change in regulation of internet communications. 
Lee, this has to be pretty chilling for so many. This is a sea change in how we operate. It may become a sea change. And Judge Boasberg's opinion suggests a sea change. Everyone who has been posting for free has not historically counted their production costs, for example. And depending on how the Boesberg opinion plays out at the commission and or on appeal, everyone who has taken that for granted and posted their videos on their own YouTube channel, for example, I mean, I've had clients that have their own YouTube channel and post a lot of videos all for free. If all of a sudden your production costs are going to be considered regulated expenditures, yeah, I think everyone ought to take note. And because it's a holiday season and because comments are due January 9 and the commission has the holiday season to respond to Judge Boesberg's opinion, uh, I think January is going to be a very busy time. And you're right. Very, very few people know that this is occurring as we speak, as we speak, literally. I am playing the breaking news horn right now. <laughs> Facts about PAX listeners. You've never heard a breaker on this show before, but Lee Goodman, former FEC commissioner, one of the top lawyers in the country on this stuff is telling us, keep your ears up. Think about it. Talk to your counsel. Michaela, this could be a little bit of a shift or a lot of bit of a shift for everybody in this space in the new year. Well, and Lee, you know, it might be worthwhile too to just kind of walk through the comment period and and just sort of, you know, the comments are due January 9th. Is there anything in particular that folks need to be aware of or have, you know, is there anything process-wise you would recommend for folks to steer them in that direction and making their comments? I uh, expect the groups that support more regulation of political speech generally to uh, stir a massive number, potentially, of those online comments Mm -hmm. that people are very good uh, at generating at times like this, um, about uh, encouraging the commission to expand regulation of the internet uh, for perceived benefits to the democracy. I I happen not to share that view, but, uh, but some people do. And so I think what would benefit the commission and individual commissioners the most are intelligent, incisive comments. They don't have to be long-winded, but just explaining all of the implications of both the notice of proposed rulemaking issued by the commission as well as the Boesberg opinion, because I don't know how the commission considers comments on this notice of proposed rulemaking without considering the ruling that they've just been uh, sent by a federal district judge in the district Uh, I don't know how they handle this NPRM without considering uh, the message they received from a federal court. So I think uh, people need to get comments in by January 9. They can be submitted through a portal on the FEC's website, and they need to tell the commission about uh, all the ways that they uh, currently communicate public political messages. As simple as a website And if it were as simple as just disclaimers, Michaela and Adam, this wouldn't be difficult. Um, We could post disclaimers on free postings on YouTube or websites. But this gets into the full panoply of regulation, whether or not your website and the input costs or the YouTube video that you cut and place for free on YouTube, or whether your mass email 
whether those are going to be accounted as independent expenditures and trigger independent expenditure reports, even though you didn't pay anyone to disseminate it. Um, and also coordination principles would be tied to those communications. So if you republish, for example, any candidate content, all of a sudden you would be swept into a regulated communication and all your input costs could be deemed an in-kind contribution if you republish candidate information. So there are many consequences to an expanded definition of what a regulated internet communication is, far beyond the disclaimer issue that we started on today. And Lee, once that um, comment period ends, I mean, I'm just thinking we're you know, now we're moving into you know another contentious, likely presidential election. How long after the comment period closes could this get settled? How long will it take? It depends on how much cohesion and compromise there is within the commission. If there were a ready compromise, they could act very quickly, you know, in the late winter, uh, early spring of next year. However, if the dividing lines go broader along the lines of the Bozberg opinion about a vast expansion, I don't think that they will find four votes on this commission, just my, my speculation. Um, to vastly expand the definition of internet communication. And therefore, the notice of proposed rulemaking could end up in stalemate for months and or years until the Bozberg opinion gets a full appellate vetting and further court action. Well, Counselor, we thank you greatly for bringing everybody up to speed on where things stand at the end of 2022. Lee Goodman, partner at Wiley Law, thank you for being our guest on the Facts About PACs podcast. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for sharing this message. It's important to everyone, particularly your members, and I'm happy we had the opportunity to, to alert everyone to the issue. Well, Lee, wishing you, Adam, you as well, a very wonderful, happy holiday season. And thanks to everyone downloading and sharing the Facts About PACs podcast. All of us here at NABPAC wish all of our listeners a wonderful holiday and happy new year. Subscribe and meet us right back here in January for a whole new season of the show.